and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 345. That's right. 345, five away from 350. Getting close. Uh, I'm going to assume 350 hits in January? I would Hell, say. that could even be the uh, no. the uh, no, the movie episode. Oh, the movie episode. I still don't I still doubt it because just projecting ahead, we still don't know if there's any other episodes we're doing this month other than the the in quotes anniversary issue, which we, <laughs> which we won't even go yeah, into yeah. at the moment, but so I it could be, but I would be surprised if this if this is three forty five. I would safely bet that we're not going to have anything. The max people are going to do by the end of the year would be three forty seven. I would say, right. and then so it's possible. It is possible yeah. if we're throwing Green Lantern number three as an issue in the beginning of January. It's yeah, it's po- it's possible. We could we could obviously. As we get closer, if we're knocking on the door, we could manipulate it to be. So, for sure. Well, this episode we are talking about the Green Lantern number two from Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. It, it actually, as we record this, came out today. So this is the second time Mark and I have been able to do this real time. So just because it's a habit doesn't make don't don't make it an expectation. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it would be pretty cool if we, we did real-time, same-week reviews, but, you know, it can't always work out like that. <laughs> that is true. Uh, it's it's a, perf- a perfect storm based on what we're doing, what we're not doing, and the fact that, plus we had already kind of guaranteed this episode is, if it wasn't for the... The good, the good surprise of being able to do the Creed thing, I mean, we wouldn't even have had an episode until in that gap until we did this one so i listened to that episode by the way not just because i edited it but uh, i listened to that episode it was really enjoyable (laughs) well thank Um, you very much yeah it was definitely enjoyable you guys had a lot of passion about the franchise obviously i haven't seen a lot of the the rocky movies i didn't see creed 2 i didn't see creed so it's not like uh you know i had a ton of clue what was going on but it was very clear you guys uh enjoyed what you were talking about had a lot of back and forth and no dull moments, so enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Well, I greatly appreciate that. And for those who did listen to the episode and enjoy it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I do know that Ryan has already, in his mind's eye, is already in the process of modifying his rankings now that he's actually gone back and started. I forget how far into the rewatching of the series he is. I know without again, I don't know where it's going to fall in his rankings, but I know he does think way, 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 way much, very much higher of Rocky too. Now that he's gone back and rewatched it, than than he was discussing during our episode. 
that I think he sees yeah. more of the weight that I see in Rocky II uh, as a little bit. So I'd be curious to see that uh, once he get, finishes the entire series to see what what his modified list will be versus the one that he gave on that show. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I saw I saw a, I saw a Blu-ray Rocky collection. I think I think at Best Buy for a relatively good deal. I think it was like 150 bucks or something. The steel case um, one. Is that the steel case one? I, I, Still I don't. I honestly don't remember uh, specifically what it, what the layout of of it was, but um, uh, I was I was tempted to pick it up, but I mean, I just I can't bring myself to spend the money on on the stuff that I know I need to watch, but not necessarily. I don't have the desire to buy it to have it because I know I'm going to like. You know what I mean? Like, right. So I mean, if anybody out there wants to buy me the Rocky franchise or what are the other ones, Mark? The Alien franchise, the Predator franchise, and what was the fourth one? Planet of the Planet Apes. Apes. So I was just gonna say I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was Planet of the Apes, as in the originals, the original. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've I've seen one or two of them, but I haven't. It, 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 the ones I have seen, it's been so long. Like I don't I don't I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So if anybody out there feels like buying a podcast or a gift. <laughs> That's what you can get for me. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, into the review stuff. So we're talking about The Green Lantern number two. Um, as you can imagine, when The Green Lantern number one came out, uh, we were hyping the episode over on Twitter. I obviously made sure that we follow Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp over on Twitter. And Liam Sharp was very active, uh, you know, that day slash week that The Green Lantern number one debuted. Um so he was tweeting back and forth, and there was some stuff that happened. And, and the reason I want to bring this up is for context. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this now. This is something I said to Mark earlier today. Um, the, the general theme of what I'm about to bring up is the critique of comics and how it's done both online and like articles and podcasts and so on and so forth. And the reason I bring this up is because in general, the critique of the comic medium is extremely new. You, if you think about it, and, and I made the same analogy to Mark uh, when I brought this subject up over on Facebook. Um, if you think about it, the art industry was created. Whenever, whenever you believe art became a, a true medium of, uh, of expression, uh, of pure expression rather than just communication, you know, because a lot of people will point to like the cave paintings and stuff uh, as as our first art, and technically it is, but it was also a way of of uh, you know jotting down history. So whenever art became purely expressive of, of of things, the art industry was then established. At what point then did art critics become a thing? Now we know art critics, and, 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 and there's a specific formula about how they judge things, and so on and so forth. Same with film. There was film for a little while, then film critics were new, and people were like, why are we critiquing this? And then that became an established sort of thing, which we, I mean, if you take a look at like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, we still kind of hotly debate how cr films are critiqued. Did, did did you see the so, meme? Did you see, not to interrupt you, but did you see the? No, no, no. Did you see that meme that? And I saw this a couple of times in the last week. Cause that's when you were talking to me earlier today. I thought of this. Did you see that caveman meme related to uh, artists? Because mm -mm. it was it was cute. It was it was the first going exactly to the 
kind of what you were talking about versus the first artist versus the first art critic. And there was this like this caveman, and he had like a couple of rocks stacked on top of each other, and like a, a like me call this snowman. <laughs> and, I, and then the other caveman standing next to him, I think, looks at it and goes, "Me call this waste of good rocks." And then, and, that's, and then they had the description <laughs> on the left: first, <laughs> world's first artist, world's first art critic. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> the, the 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 with that being said, the medium of uh, I think the medium of film is a good comparison here because film uh, and, and in a lot of ways art too, but I want to stick with film because of the the time span here. Film and comic books, I want to say, and Mark, you can correct me, you're much more into film than I am. Relatively speaking, have been out the same time, you know, in the early 1900s, right? I think that would be a fair assessment, yes. Okay. And we still hotly debate how and why we critique films that are being made. Comics came about, you can argue when. I'm going to go with the start, start uh, around the 20s. I'm not talking about Superman. I'm talking about, uh, I think it was More Fun Comics number one, if I remember my uh, comic book history correctly. But anyways, this stuff uh, has been around almost as long. But the the critics didn't really come into play with comics quite as fast as maybe the film critics did. Now, of course, uh, you know, you guys know I'm a big fan of comic book history. So, yes, I am still aware of things like uh, the, the Senate subcommittee trials on juvenile delinquency, the implementation of the Comics Code Authority, so on and so forth. I'm not talking about regulation. I'm talking about people who enjoy the medium critiquing said medium to for others to read in, take in and then judge uh, whether or not they're going to go see it, go go pick it up, go read it, whatever. I bring this up because uh, Liam had posted something over on Twitter when all of this was going on. Now, he has since deleted that tweet, so I can't go see it. Unfortunately, I don't have that screenshot, but it was along the lines of and, – and forgive me, this is this – is, this is context after the fact without being able to reference the exact words. So if I'm off, I'm off. But as close as I can get it, he was talking about how certain reviewers out there could be podcasters, could be our articles. As a, as a man in the comic book industry, uh, as an artist, he's sick of the people who critique his art who have no, uh, no context for the art, who just critique it for for just because, you know, they, they don't understand the style, they don't understand the artistic expression that's happening within it, whatever that whatever that uh, X factor may be. He's fine with people giving him criticism. It's not about, oh, I don't want to hear people talking ne- negatively about my art. He's talking about the context of the people giving said criticism. If they don't know what the hell they're talking about, they whether it's positive or negative, they shouldn't be talking about it. Um, now, again, that's context after the facts. I could be putting words in his mouth in that regard. But I, this is where my conversation with him on Twitter picks up. So I responded and I said, this is an excellent learning opportunity. How would you or another artist prefer a reviewer critique or speak to art in the review process? Personally, I often make sure people know, quote, I'm not an artist by any means, unquote, or, quote, this art isn't a style I usually go for, that being said, unquote. Liam says, great question. 
I think artist knowledge, clear understanding of the wide variety of art styles from Hal Foster to Kirby to Buscema to Mobius to Drulet to Steranko to BWS to Sienkiewicz, uh, etc. goes a long way. Then at least there's real context, not pure subjectivity. I responded, I said, you're a busy man, and this is Twitter, so you can probably whenever, but is this a conversation we can go back and forth with in an honest way? I'm all for keeping it along on Twitter replies, so as long as others can learn along with me. He says, seems to me that's uh, what's happening here. It's, it's clear when it's only subjective and a bit mean, and when it is a genuine point of view from an informed person. None of us expects to be liked by everybody. We're pretty circumspect. Some great creators chiming in here, too, and there are some other people who were chiming in on the original tweet but couldn't because now I can't go back and see that. But anyways, I said, perfect. So let me establish where I'm coming from without shilling our episode, covering the episode and making you listen. I said, I like Ivan Hayes, uh, Olivier Coipel, old school Neil Adams, etc. That's the art style that I naturally gravitate towards. Too much mainstream and modern in here, but you get the idea. So if one is reviewing art they're not naturally inclined towards, would you prefer to hear them limit their commentary or just make that known prior to proceeding? Is it quote-unquote fair to speak towards the art if the style itself isn't one you naturally quote-unquote understand or identify with? He says, uh, I think it's helpful in its context. Then the reader can see that it's clearly a matter of taste. I don't warm to jazz, but I understand perfectly well that it is a worthy of respect and requires the very highest levels of excellence. Makes sense. I said, and again, guys, sorry I'm reading all this. I just want to provide the context. He says exactly, or I said exactly, and this is me finishing up this conversation. He didn't reply back after this. I said, the problem comes, I think, in reviewing comics, part writing, part art, part writing, part art, which then includes the inker, colorist, etc. So even if I offer a criticism, could it be the inker that messed it up in that respect? And does the average Joe win to make that call? Same with writing. I can give a writer hell for decision-making plot-wise or continuity issues or whatever, but could it be a decision the editorial team made or the creative team, uh, uh, the editorial me- team made or made the creative team abide by? Or something the editorial should have caught but didn't. There's just so many factors, it's hard to spend time in either recording or writing a review, backpedaling a statement with, but it could also be, when there's no way of truly knowing for sure. I think reviewers can also get a comfortable pattern. LandronCast has been on the air 10 years this month. I assume, at this point, most all listeners are familiar with my personal preference. It's hard to remember, every episode could be someone's first. Same with each issue, I suppose. So this is what I wanted to bring up. Because I like, you know, uh, moments and stuff here and there in these comics. But there are times when I, you know, and, and Mark and I are both guilty of this. We do this. We will look at a comic. I like this panel, I like this panel, I like this splash, I like this patch. But over here on page blah, 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 how looks really weird for this, this, and this reason. That's just, I mean, it's a very vague example, but it, we've done that. Both of us have. So I'm trying to figure out... And this is where I really want listeners to to put in their opinion, too. How should we really proceed with reviewing stuff? Because on one hand, I don't want us to withhold our opinions. I'm not trying to say we're too harsh on artists. 
I'm trying to provide proper context for when we review stuff. I want to give everybody their fair shake. And it's not fair of me to criticize an artist when a choice that they're making that I necessarily don't agree with is purely because that's their style, not because they are a bad artist and drew that panel wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I kind of I know what you mean. So I've been talking a long time. I've been reading a lot. I just want I wanted to get your thoughts on all of this. It seems, based on what you said, that he said, he said, he said, uh, <laughs> what Sharp, what Liam Sharp said, I, it kind of sounded a little bit to me, and this is where it gets slippery, if this is what he really meant, not necessarily how, and again, I, I was trying to focus in on the important part of uh, what he was responding or saying to you about. Right. Uh it kind of sounds like he's kind of like more or less taking, not necessarily, but along the lines of, kind of like if you don't, if you haven't really walked in our shoes, then you really can't criticize, or 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 your or your or your your realm or your the the the, the degree in which you can criticize and it be taken seriously is somewhat limited. Not that you can't express it, but it's not really legitimate if you don't really understand, or you, or if you're just saying you don't like something, that that or this isn't your style, or you prefer, you know, this the style of art isn't my style. That that is not really a valid critique, and especially be, and especially if you don't, again, if you don't put it in the context of different artists and different art styles or whatever, then somehow. Is that kind of somewhere where do you think he was going with that a little bit, at least somewhat? Uh, in, in some ways, again, the very first part of everything, because the tweet is no longer available, I I made it very clear I don't want to put words in his mouth. Everything after that was verbatim, so you can, you can take uh, what you want out of that. Um, but I think, the re- and it's the reason I brought, him up, brought it up, I think he does have a valid point in that if I, whether I'm writing a review doing a podcast, whatever it may be, if I have no context for the art, I can sit here all day and read a story. I can read a story, whether it be words only on a page or a comic, or I can watch a film or a TV show or whatever. Narrative is something I understand intuitively. You know, that's something that I can, you know, the, the way a plot twist comes, when it comes, how it comes, character development, personality, uh, relationships and chemistry and, 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 you know, all this stuff is something that I think myself and a lot of other people, um, just because of the various entertainments we've all been exposed to our entire lives, we intuitively understand story. So it's easy to critique the writer or the plot or however else. Not all of us have as an extensive or intuitive viewpoint when it comes to art. And I think that's part of the reason he brought up those other artists um, who are big in the industry, who have several various styles. He's not saying you can't have your opinion or whatever. He's saying if you're not familiar with 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 the body of work out there, you don't have to know like Van Gogh versus Da Vinci or anything. He's not looking for you to understand the entire art world, but to look to have an equal amount of context to the art as you put towards the story. So look within the art art world of comics and at least somehow have a basis and experience 
within this realm to know what you're talking about. And I sort of agree with them because in comics, there are so many people in websites and stuff who are, who, I mean, it, it's a bad thing, guys. I pointed out constantly, Mark, you remember I got a, had a war with like Bleeding cool, cool and stuff like that, Newsarama. I hate clickbait. And the fact that it's sinking into the comics medium is driving me insane. So when people do clickbait stuff, that bothers me. And Movie web, this you, means you. <laughs> movie web yeah, is so, man, movie web appears to be the new newsarama when it comes to clickbait. And and and, and this, in the same way, people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, what just and just want to write an article or do something to get views to their page, intre- increase their ad revenue, traffic, so on and so forth. We all know how all that works. That's BS. You should know what you're talking about if you're going to offer your opinion on something. And I think that's a, that's something we as 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 people in general understand about almost every other medium in the world. If I want to sit here and say I'm going to become a film critic, I better know what the fuck I'm talking about. And I think everybody else would agree with that. Same if I were to become a fine art critic. I can't just walk into a gallery one day and say, hey, that sucks or hey, that's amazing. No one's going to take me seriously, and I don't have any basis of what I'm talking about. So if people are going to offer their opinions on things, they should have some context. Now, you've been reading comics for several years. I've been reading comics for, I guess, 10 years now, 10-plus years, but I'm not the average comic reader. I got into comics and then suddenly became a sponge for all information. Now, I've got books on comics history. I've got classic comics. I've got new comics. Half my damn bookshelf is comics now, like – I went hard at the comics. So while I only may have 10 years of experience, I got a lot in that crammed into that 10 years. But I think his point is 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 is, is obviously every point every a lot of people's points are worth bringing up. But this one in particular when it comes to podcasting, when it comes to reviewing, when it comes to the core of what you and I do on the show, especially Liam coming from Liam Shark, the artist on the main Green Lantern title right now, I thought it was worthy of considering. Not that we're going to like go easier or change way we approach things but i just thought i just thought it was worth bringing up because sometimes i feel like i should be backpedaling every time it comes to a critique i give an art a piece of art you know because i can say that looks weird that looks off that looks whatever but i don't really know now, that also doesn't mean, though, that I should shut up and not speak at all to the art, right? Yeah, because there's there's two there's two sides, like with most things. If he's ta- if if the point he's trying to make at least somewhat is that literally don't judge a book by its cover because of the fact that maybe maybe the style of art is not your cup of tea but maybe you you're not understanding that there there's a there's a particular reason why this style of art is being used in the story or why this particular artist is being paired with this particular writer because of of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to convey and part of that you know that is part of what he's trying to express part of part of it then yeah i think that's true i think that because then you're not judging it in, in a vacuum, then it's like uh, you're looking at it as a whole instead of looking at, you know, the, some of its parts. Uh, but uh, there's also something to be said about, you know, paraphrasing that old adage is, you know, I, I don't something about along the lines of, you know, I really don't know what 
I don't really don't I don't know what art is, but I know when I like it. You know, something along those lines. That when you when there's something that you like, you know it, even if you can't describe why you like it necessarily or why it calls to you. If when you see something that you like, you like it, just like when you see something that you don't like, you don't like. You don't like it. So I I don't necessarily agree with the idea that oh, if you don't like if you don't like a style, whether you have con- whether you have the context of knowing oh yes I've seen this. I've seen this artist in multiple books and I don't like it as opposed to just seeing this artist in this one book and this is your first exposure and you just and you think well like we talk about you know that overall you know there's things that we like about it things that we don't like but either we're not sure or we are we go one way or the other about whether we think that art is appropriate for this book or whether it as far as what our expectations are and whether it satisfies us. Uh, then that's a, then I think I think that's I think that's kind of different. I mean we we kind of joked about Billy Tan a lot, right? When he was doing the book with with Robert, and there were some things that Billy Tan did really well. I mean he did a great Saint Walker, and I've gone I've said multiple times how many, including Ethan, who who have not really drawn good Saint Walkers. That there's you know only a couple of people that have really done I think Saint Walker really really well, uh, but. Then we look at other things in that book, you know, the way how, and uh, we 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 kind of joked about it, but there were some characters that were not, and it wasn't even necessarily the style. It's just for some sometimes it's certain characters you just don't really you just don't capture the essence thereof, and when it's the main character in that example, that makes it hard to ignore. If it's just, you know a background character that you, that doesn't really factor into the, the books that often, it's easier to look the other way. I get his point. I mean, I. I understand. I understand. I think kind of what he's trying to say, and there's truth in it. But it's also not true that. But if part of like in the original point that he made, it kind of making it sound like, oh, unless unless you really, you know, understand, you know, the, like the history of of comic book artists and this style versus that style, you really can't, you know, crit, then critiquing is kind of like it means nothing. I get where he's coming from. Why he would think that? Because it's it's like everything else. I mean, it's like the more the more experienced you are and the more you know the nuances of an of an industry or whatever it happens to be then yes the less informed some of the people who are criticizing you happen to be the real either the more it might annoy you or the easier it is for you to just go eh, they don't know what the hell they're talking about literally so what do i care right but it's a dangerous it's a slippery slope to make to basic to try if if it's somewhat being implied that you really need that you have to have a big background in the history of art and or comic book art in order to, to to make a simple decision whether you like this or you don't or whether it calls to you or whether it doesn't uh, and that's and that's in that and that that's why it's different if someone's savaging you because they, oh my god it's horrible and that's something different if if somebody I think we're a little more fair on that overall because I think even it's very rarely do we say wow this this art is horrible. You know, we don't yeah. like, we don't like anything about it. Uh, there's nothing. I mean, even when we don't like it, we tend to be able to pick out things that we do like. You know, so that's. Mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, I think it's I think it certainly was worth it's worth discussing. It's worth thinking right. about. But. And this is why I wanted to bring this up is because I agree with a lot of what he says, and I agree with it in certain respects. And when it applies to people like uh, your your newsarama, your your bleeding cool, whatever. Uh, and I bring this up uh, not to criticize these websites. I criticize them for other things. But a lot of people go to Newsarama or Bleeding Cool, not not as not not to an equal extent, but the same way others go to like a 
uh, a Rotten Tomatoes or an IMDb score to see if they're really going to go see a film or, or, or whatever. The people who read certain things uh, will go to a website to check it out. And depending on the context of a podcast, maybe they would listen to a podcast. But I think you and I, at the very least, have made it clear that whenever we review content, it's from our perspective, and not just as fans of, of the character and of the publishing company, but the biggest reason we review these and the biggest context in which we review these is within continuity. We review them with what, uh, with our knowledge. And we, of course, we, we, we use the word lanternologists. We know these characters. We know their history. We know these things. So we review these comics in the, in the context. I'm, I don't think, and I could be wrong. This is why I wanted to bring this up at the, the very beginning of the show, because I want opinions on this. Please. So, when when we review this stuff, I don't think anybody ever listens to us with the uh, with the intent of going, will I buy this book or not? I'm going to listen to them first to figure it out. And if they do, it's based on the story kind of uh, the, 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 the the kind of ideas and concepts being presented and how it fits within the knowledge of the DCU. It has nothing to do. I, I don't think anyone has ever told us, you know, Oh, they didn't like the art. I'm not going to buy it because they didn't like the art. Or they said, you know, the writing was off specifically and, you know, the verbatim usage of whatever is, is not something I'm going to get. If they decide to buy it or not based on our opinion, it's almost always based on the context of the larger DCU that we provide. Not, anything more specific like you know we give art you know six out of seven or you know whatever the whatever the ranking system would be i don't so i think that's i think that's an important distinction is it's one thing when you're when you're critiquing you're you're breaking down every aspect and that's certainly something we do but we don't do it uh in the context of we're telling you whether or not based on our opinion whether or not you should be buying this book and as a matter of fact if Mark and I are on the same page about something, more often than not, if we are on the same page on something we don't like, we actively ask people over and over and over again to use our feedback, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, email, voicemail, whatever, and give us your alternate opinions so we can present those on air so that there is a differing opinion out there of people who actually like the stuff. So, and, and same with stuff that we absolutely love. If you can't stand it for some reason... Let us know why. Like we, we, I think we've actively encouraged that. I think that's true. And as we know, sometimes we get criticized for thinking too much alike, which is kind of funny because we don't always think that much alike. It's just in, it, with, with a lot of the newer current continuity stuff that's been out in the last like year or so, it's, we've kind of been on the same page. But that's but we do disagree mm -hmm. on stuff. It just happens to happen. It happens to be that way. We don't try <laughs> to agree. Let's put it this way. We, we, we never actively try to avoid confrontation because, because it, hell of it make for a better show. <laughs> you bastard. No, it's like, <laughs> and that's, and, and, and just to wrap this whole thing up, you know, this was one of the reasons I actually look forward. I mean, I, of course I just look forward to talking to him in general, but I look forward to having like Dan on the show, you know, um, uh, coming up for the Christmas stuff, uh, if you can make it on. So I just want to, 
like I, I just miss talking to him in general because you know he's not on Facebook anymore. So, um, but you know that's one thing Dan always provided when he was. It's not, and it, it's, and it, it's not that Jim didn't provide this or didn't have his own opinion, but you know, Dan went to school for art stuff and creative stuff. So it's just like he had that that background that he could provide. I may not have understood what the hell he was talking about on certain cases or certain when he referenced certain things, but it was always good to have that opinion there because he had that background. So maybe I'll, I'll uh, once this episode drops, I'll give him the link so that he, when I reference it in, a, in the Christmas episode, if he's able to come on, he can provide his context because uh, yeah, that'd be cool. But I've been talking long enough. Uh, I didn't mean to take up quite as much time as I just did with all of this. But I did want to get it out there at the start. So, uh, the Green Lantern number two. Are you ready to do this? I guess. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we could just make this the episode along with our trailer talk. I don't care. <laughs> we can do this next week. Cause, and, and it's not because this. It is not because this is bad or anything. It's just that I don't know. My heart. I don't know. I don't know what it is. My heart's just not in some of this green. Maybe because there's so little Green Lantern stuff to get wrapped up in these days. <laughs> Well, not as much anymore. Well, I mean, you've got. Go ahead. I mean, I know. you're green, gonna rattle it off. Go ahead. I know. Well, for for those out there who don't pay attention like we do, yes, this is the only Green Lantern titled such on the stands. But if you're looking for more Green Lantern stuff, Kyle has just now shown up in Titans. Uh, Titans number thirty just came out, uh, and uh, relatively recently. And Kyle has now joined the Titans, not Teen Titans, the Titans title uh, going forward. So starting with 30, start picking up uh, Titans if you want some Kyle stuff. Um, of course, John Stewart is doing his thing over in Justice League as part of the Justice League team. Um, that's been since the team started. And if you pick up Justice League Odyssey, you're seeing what Jessica's up to. So... Three different titles where you can keep your eye on three different lanterns, and then plus you got the the Green Lantern book with Hal. Fine. <laughs> but as far as stuff we cover on a regular basis on this show, there's one book. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and hope I really hope there's another title coming. I really. Yeah, do. we need a Green Lantern core title. Although this is this is feels much so far feels much more like a core book than a, a D Green Lantern sort of a book. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's... I do think that's probably true. I, I think that it's... Uh, it's a core book without so many Earth Lanterns, just the rest of the core. Yes, it's a core book with a whole bunch of <laughs> relatively under underwritten or obscure, never-before-seen Green Lanterns. <laughs> so, which is interesting. And mm-hmm. so... Right. And as you can hear, dear listener, I've got a physical copy. I just, means... I just heard you. I thought I heard you typing. Were you typing too? Because that's all I heard. <laughs> no, I was just, I was just tapping my, my oh. fingers on the pages. Yes, this is my. Uh, oh, I got my, you uh, now. I got you. There you go. <laughs> so that's uh, that is yeah, that is a change from the usual. Uh... I always go digital, but uh, uh, this, this past week I went to the comic store to retroactively pick up a hard copy of Green Lantern number one, uh, the Green Lantern number one. I figured, you know, it's uh, Morrison on the title, regardless of how anybody individually feels about it. If you're a Green Lantern fan, you should have a physical copy in your collection. So had to grab it. And as well as there, I actually picked up the sketch cover variant too. I got a blank sketch cover variant. 
So maybe I'll get uh, Daryl to do something with that. That's a good idea. And then uh, since I had that, I was looking at the covers for number two, and I happened to really enjoy the uh, the variant cover. The glowing green variant. Yes, with uh, Fran- Francesco Mattina, I believe, is the uh, variant cover guy here. It's, uh, you are correct, Mattina, yes, you are correct. Yeah, I really like this variant cover, so I went out and got the hard copy of issue two, the variant cover. So. That's the one I bought too. Uh, they, uh, the regular one had been pulled for me, but but I I looked at this one and said, yeah, this one's much better than much better than the standard cover. Yeah, if I was the kind of person like if I was young enough to still put posters on my wall and with you know thumbtacks and stuff, if there was a poster of this, I'd put it up. I don't know. I mean, I like it, but I don't know if there's enough happening on it that would make me want to hang it as a poster. Yeah, maybe if there's more in the background. Yeah. Like I mean, just, more, just more star stuff, more Novas, more, you know, spinning galaxies, whatever. It just seems to be missing some context because it does obviously seem like half a cover on a yeah. level. So, But it, but it's very nicely drawn and Hal kind of reminds you of Hal going full, on, full willpower again, kind of, sort of. So that's kind of I kind so I kind of did I did appreciate that too. All, All right, right, let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, let's get into this because we we still have other stuff to other stuff to do tonight too. So this Lee Green Lantern numero dos uh, Darkness Visible is the actual issue title. Uh, Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp, of course, writer and artist respectively. Steve Olaf colorist. Tom Orzachowski letterer. Liam Sharp and Steve Olaf did the cover. As we just mentioned, Francesco Martina did the variant cover. Jessica Chen is the associate editor, and Brian Cunningham remains the editor. So we kind of, <clears throat> so basically, we pick up in the Obsidian Deeps of the Southern Supervoid. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that that is very Morrison-like. <laughs> uh, all all we need is some transluminal space reference, and we also could have, you could imagine Robert doing something like this too. <laughs> so. Uh, Again, Obsidian Deeps, all this stuff. So, of course, naturally, we're, we're, we kind of get a tie-in to uh, Rotlop Fan, our favorite sound-loving blind Green Lantern, <laughs> who, is be, who is being snuck up or sneaked up behind, however you prefer to say it properly, by kind of like, would you say it's kind of closer to old-school Evil Star? Yes, it's certainly it's certainly not the. I, I have his first appearance, so it's definitely old school evil. Star. It's definitely not trench coat wearing evil star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one was trench? Was that the, was that when they when they broke out during the coon, or was that after that the trench coat wearing uh, evil star? Because because he had like, I can't remember. Because they had I think he had like two different makeovers in like the new fifty two I think. So, right. But we do remember that trench coat wearing one, which was a no, that's not a good look. Um. So so. Pretty much, Rotlop fan uh, ends up sending out a distress signal as he's, been, kind of, he's, he's but he's kind of being attacked by. These are the what the the black stars. Yeah. Uh, yes. Right. Black that, stars. That's technically what they are. The black the black stars and I believe that's their name. Yeah. Yes, and and evil an evil star, and it's, it's kind of it's kind of a weird couple of panels there. All, all Evil Star really wants to do is he kind of wants to take out Rotlop Fan, but the Dark Stars, excuse me, the Black Stars, have uh, bigger plans as far for for Evil Star. They're not there just for the to beat the hell out of Rotlop Fan. They they're there for Evil Star because they have a they have a mission they need to accomplish. So they basically take they get Evil Star, they they zap him, 
the hell out of there. Uh, meanwhile, Rotlop fan is kind of like lamenting his failure about how... But the prime chime! Oh, you gotta love that. It's like, I failed the community, I failed in my duty as the F-sharp bell tool face. This is who he's talking to. For the first time, it's like, well, no, actually, there was that one time with... <laughs> it's like, oh, you gotta love people like that. Uh, so we find out, that, you know, of course, Evil Star escaped. I love that volcano is ahead of Green Lantern. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Volk, right? His name is Volk. I think yeah. we find out. V-O-L-K, I yeah. think. Yeah. First I thought it was supposed to be like a nuclear explosion, and then you pay attention and you realize, oh, no, it's it's a... He's he, basically basically the, this, he has a volcano exploding is on top of his head. Uh, uh, you gotta love that. So so they're kind of like they're lamenting you know the escape of Evil Star. They reach out to Oa to make it clear that Evil Star is gone. He's he's at he's at large. Now we cut to Oa, which is and what did you think of this panel page? <sighs> because I because going with the theme of the theme of the episode. I really love the art in this issue, but but I don't like this version of Oa because it's not because it's not how I imagine Oa. So it has nothing to do with that it's not drawn really really uh, well and very uh, detailed. It's just that I don't see this as Oa. <laughs> um, I agree with you. I don't see it as Oa. However, I do like that this Oa is an Oa designed by Guardians. Specifically designed by um, what was his name? Why am I forgetting? Raimi. Raimi, right? He would. Have, I assumed you meant Raimi. I didn't know. If, I yeah. forget if, if Raimi was how involved Raimi was in doing this. I forget who. Yeah. So, so, so this is this is a this is an Oa designed by a guardian who is admittedly when we were first introduced to him was just having fun with tech. <laughs> So when uh, when you when you give him free reign to create a planet that's going to be the base of operations of the Guardians and the Green Lantern Corps as a whole, and just say, "Hey, have fun," uh, that's fine with me. And plus, it gives Liam a, a chance to go uh, I, again. I'm going to compare this to Kirby when Kirby just went nuts in the background with tech. Um, it, it gets him. It gives him a chance to go. Kirby he actually shared the black and whites of this uh, on his Twitter the other day. So I got a, I got a chance to see it just like two days before the, the actual issue hit. And I, I, I had hey, met when it, when it, when he showed up in my Twitter feed and he was saying, this is, this is what Oa looks like here. Here's that page. I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> Look at the amount of detail here because the, the colors cover up some of the detail a little bit. You got to see the black and whites to really appreciate it. I mean, not that this, you can't appreciate it as is, but the black and whites really give you the, the full picture of it. I, I would imagine that's the case. Very, yeah. very nicely drawn. Again, this is one of those things, kind of like, again, the theme of the episode. It comes down to style and interpretation and whether greatly it'll come down to whether what you're, whether you think this is – and, of course, your opinion might change over time because we're used to Oa being, being always – give or take a certain way and now it's kind of like uh, now it's a lot busier <laughs> it's a lot busier a lot techier uh, so but so we, we cut to Oa and basically Volk is filling Hal Jordan in on everything that everything that just happened um, it's interesting I like the way the uh, Volk talks because of his uh, volcano head <laughs> seems like he's constantly pausing and rolling his rolling his letters and things like that 
So he's trying to fill him in. It's like, uh... And Hal points out, you know, last I heard that guy being Evil Star, he was under the guard, under guard in the Obsidian Deeps, and I guess I must have missed that whole Lost Planets thing, because obviously there's supposed to be... There, not a throwaway line at all based on the issue that basically there's, there's kind of like Lost Planets here. And that's mm-hmm. where Vol- and Volk had been... Oh, Volk kind of got shif- shifted or shafted, depending on one's perspective, <laughs> over to the Lost Planets case because Hal Jordan obviously has the most experience, not just with Evil Star, but based on the sector that Evil Star is kind of like. Uh, overall, just everything related to Evil Star is, is up Hal's alley, so that's kind of like why he's kind of like uh, because he handled Evil Star before he's been put on that case. So they. Basically, we find out that, that, that he's not, is he part of the Spider Guild or just a pirate? Just a spider pirate. Just a pirate. That's what I thought. He's just a spider pirate. And he was... Did, we saw him captured last issue? I don't remember. Uh, no, he was captured this issue, I thought. Be- this you, issue? Yeah. Yeah, because he was... Oh... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw... Okay, Spider. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, for some, I had Evil Star on the brain. So, yeah. So, yeah. He was captured last the, issue. first issue. So yeah. he's being basically they've been kind of doing more mostly bad cop bad cop uh, with this pirate trying to trying to get him to spill the beans on what and get 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 dirt out of him. Nobody's really been able to succeed. Uh, we have the bird like true, uh, and you know she, everybody everybody everybody's been trying. And Hal Hal kind of comes in and, and makes the point, and he's kind of like the way he's blunt. It's like I hate spiders. It's like. It's like I hate snakes, Reggie. It's like it's my it's, it's my snake, Reggie. I hate snakes, Jake. I hate them. It's like I hate spiders, even though he's kind of a cool looking spider pirate, considering. Uh, so almost got like the patch over his eye with that with that little uh, bandana. <laughs> so Hal kind of like you know he plays hardball with him and says you know that you know, you're we're gonna we're gonna set you have. They want you in a, for different crimes in different places, so you know we'll turn you over. You know we'll turn you over to them, and you're pretty much never gonna get. You, you know you're never gonna see the light of day again, and you know what's gonna happen to you if you go there. So it's like a, you you have an opportunity. To, you have an opportunity to talk, and of course you know, the, at first, you know the spider continues to just you know no I'm not I'm not gonna give you anything. It's like at the same time talking about oh I, I haven't you know I haven't eaten. I'm, you're starving me and all this stuff. Uh, we cut to the Black Star flagship, uh, Overmaster Zero. Now there's a name for you. <laughs> <laughs> An extreme case of overacting, Doctor. Uh, Evil Star is kind of like, rev- you know, he's just powering up on raw starlight, and he, and he, I like the little back and forth exchange about, you know, <laughs> about his name being Evil Star. It's like, it's like your name is, it's like you, you named yourself Evil Star. That seems almost inviting trouble with the law. <laughs> And they had this back and forth between the Black Stars and the and Evil Star about the names, like how neither name is like exactly going to keep you off the radar list. And I like how Evil Star tries to explain how his name is kind of like a pun, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, they're green, so I'm evil, which I still don't quite get. And Star is brighter than lanterns, right? It's badass. It's like, when you put it that way, at least some thought went into it. <laughs> that part I love. It's like, it's just not working, is it? No. Uh... But the interesting, the main reason I think some of this is going on is because we have uh, Evil Star talking about how his, you know, his his thought powered star band basically is that it's kind of like the equivalent of the, the Green Lantern rings, 
And, you know, I destroyed a whole planet with this. Do we know what planet that was? I want to say yes. Like, it's appeared in story before, but it's been so long since we've seen Evil Star. I don't remember. Yeah, I did a, I did a very, very quick search. Of course, the problem with looking up planets and being destroyed with Evil Star, they give you 8,000 things related to the Death Star. Right. So, uh, so it would take, I would have to probably go to the DC, like, Wikipedia page maybe or Wikipedia page to see if they had anything about it, but I did not see. I'm a, I assumed all along it is a known planet that we were supposed that we would know, but I did not find as of now. I did not find what in the brief time we had to read this before we had to record. I did not find what that planet was, but it is relevant. Uh, you know, he's he's going on about oh my star band is almost fully recharged. Time to enact, you know, the ultimate revenge against the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, like, we really think he's a real threat to the Green Lantern Corps <laughs> by himself. Come on. And, of course, now we... Now, do we know who this chick is? I don't know. Uh, if we are supposed to, I'm missing the hint. Because she was not in the first issue. Right? No, but I think she might have been pictured on uh, that splash page in the first issue. You mean the thing that they were carrying? The character that was this, the cargo? No? no, 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 no. I'm talking about the splash page at the very end of the issue that teased things to come. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because I had the first – the first issue is like in my room, but it's not within reach of my headset because I was tempted to try to – but she, she's – basically she's like this kind of pseudo – or not pseudo. She's like this space vampire or something. And while Evil Star is going on, kind of rambling on, she points out, you know, shall I tell you what my personal morality meter says? It's like it says the lanterns are way too lenient with genocidal monsters like you. All we needed was your star band, the third component. And he's like, who dares? Even with the little hands on his waist, like it matters. And then she just basically, literally sucks the life out of him, as or close to it. Back back on Oa, and I guess these science cells or whatever. These that this space part, the spider pirate is eating disgustingly, and every everybody's kind of getting sick over this. And we have, I mean, literally, as in not being, uh, not not upset sick, like sick to their stomach, just watching this guy eat. <laughs> uh, true and how I would talk about, you know, about more, you know, more green, more green lanterns. They have maximum tox in a induced coma. Whatever attacked him took its time to inflict maximum distress. If it's still out there, we need to know where and what we're dealing with. And she points out she won't talk, Jordan. And Hal says, you know, on the Spider Guild Nest World, sharing food is an act of bonding. Behold. And then, of course, <laughs> I like Hal's cockiness and, and thinking he's – and he's correct. But uh, so he he goes in and he talks to the, to the spider pirate here. And he's kind of like, we find out, you know, the casino heist was a diversion while the others smuggled the cargo, which we found out about last issue. Through security, component one, same as I said, you won't – you won't tell mom about my affair with Commander Crack, will you? <laughs> that part was cute. It's like, don't worry, I plan to scrub that image from my short-term memory as quickly as I possibly can. This component one, you're saying it was alive and it escaped from its container, and it killed a bunch of your pirate pals. Then it crippled a maimed Green Lantern officer. All I know is Control the Mew and the Black Stars paid out handsome to bring that component one from from out the no-zone to Ventura. But we were sold out. By you know four-limbed lying wrigglers, ah, and uh, and Hal's kind of talks about that that luck dial that we saw last last issue. It's like the dial was fake, but maybe you got lucky after all. Your days with the pirates are over. 
I see you again in my sector. You're doing time. And now, and uh, Volk comes in. Jordan, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Evil Star turned up. Uh, I'm, I'm pla- how, Planet Hippocrates, huh? That's kind of mm-hmm. how appropriate, right? It's a, it's a like, <laughs> and there's a medical facility orbiting it. How 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 appropriate? I like the nurse. The, the nurse is kind of cool. So Hippocrates, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it probably is Hippocrates. Um, uh, the reality the, Hippo- is, the Hippocratic Oath yeah the Hippocratic Oath that's, that's yeah. what the yeah the play on words is all that so we yeah. find old man evil star <laughs> <laughs> and basically you know his star band kept him youth, youthful but pretty much uh, that vamp that vampire chick she just you know literally sucked the life out of him no one's been able to get much out of him his brain has deteriorated with the rest of his body the nurse says you know Hal tries to <clears throat> Hal tries to talk to evil star and it's like uh, he notices the puncture wounds on his neck. It's like slayers from Dvor- from door came a living shadow clutching hand. She drained the stars from my veins. A really cool Hal looks really great in this panel when he's talking yeah, to the nurse. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like a nurse. I'd call a doctor if I were you, but tell them this man here again. Reference to this planet. This tell them this man killed 2.5 billion people. So tell them there's no need to hurry. <laughs> <laughs> oh Hal. Uh, we we cut we now we seek of a Mew a Commander Mew here uh, Controller Mew for the first time I think this this issue and we kind of see what they're what they're working on all these all these different components is like we have successfully retro retro engineered and improved upon the Orion star star band apparatus mass production is underway power equal to even surpassing the ring weapons of the Green Lantern Corps is, is ours. Ally this with the special capabilities of our enhanced Exomantle battle armor, super strength, speed, force field, and flight options. And uh, Mew goes, you know, thought-controlled, maser blasters, it all adds up to an unbeatable warrior, bodyguard, protector, and defender. Yours at a reasonable price. And then we kind of find out that he's kind of like uh, selling this here to the uh, to the Dorians that they're trying to look for. Them. But uh, <clears throat> trying to make a deal with them and play on, you know, the who the Dorians are, and it's like Mew points out, as part of our agreement, you will provide the resource we require. We born of Meltus are nothing if not pragmatic. Rest assured, you too will be judged in your t- in your turn when we are ready. That, that's that's a real incentive to make a deal. <laughs> uh, so the you know so the uh, Dorians like a full power to gravity refractors and dwarf star lens arrays commence planetary abduction process. Excellent. <laughs> So we, so obviously they're the ones behind some of the uh, the, the planet abduction. We learn, we pretty much get that from that little hint. Hal's flying through space because I'm thinking, why dump evil star so close to Earth? Might as well deliver him straight to my door. Slavers from door, living shadows. Take me back to Sector 2814, Sector HQ. Uh, Hal's flying through space. Basically, we see the moon, and we see uh, some uh, space vehicle on the moon. It's like, what the hell? Confirm coordinates. Coordinates confirmed. It's like, location, Sector HQ, planet Earth. And we find out, this is Lantern 2814.1 to Oa, calling in Grand Theft Planet. <laughs> my Earth, my home planet Earth. Earth is gone. Grand <laughs> Theft Planet. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I will say this. Um, Liam's artwork is growing on me very quickly. Uh, uh, I think it's much. I just think overall it's much more consistent and just better in this issue. Right, but I wanted to say particularly towards the end here, uh, when Hal starts going into Destination Planet Earth, and then that that 
panel of, of him just in the blackness coming towards the reader. And then especially this very last close up of him where he says earth is gone. That all of that looks very early Neil Adams. Yes. I was going to say there is, there is an element of that throughout this. So that, so, so I think, yes, I think that's why it probably would appeal to you more. And I think that's why I think it just seems to work better. It seems Hal looks much more Hal like across the board in this, I think in this issue, especially as Green Lantern, as we know. Uh, last issue was kind of he was split between being Hal and being Green Lantern, and this ish, this issue is pretty much all Green Lantern, even, even without even without his mask here and there. But the but yeah, I thought I thought the art was excellent in this issue. For sure, and the character designs with Volk and uh, some of these uh, Dark Star or Black Stars. Um, he didn't get creative with Evil Star, but you do see like a bunch of new lanterns sort of in the background while like uh, Hal and Volk are working towards walking towards yes. the interrogation room. So he got to have fun with some of that. That was pretty cool. Um, still not a big fan of the spider pirate thing, but that's just, uh, that's one of those things where like, I feel like uh, in order to give that, you know, really far um, alien feeling that's, this is the sort of character you had to come up with to really, get that on that first splash page from issue one to kind of set that tone. Um, so that's cool. Uh, one thing about the, the writing I'll say, and this is something I both like and don't like uh, simultaneously. Uh, so it's hard to follow. I want to say that it's hard to follow and it's hard to follow in, in a way that it on the first read for some reason. Like I, I need to like, I need to give it, I need to read it, take it in, Give it a minute, come back to it, read it again. Uh, and and I, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, like there's there's a part of my brain that's like, hey, it shouldn't be that hard to understand a comic book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and that maybe just be the Morrison of it all. But I, what I, I kind of noticed what it was while I was reading this issue, uh, again while you were recapping, is one of the things I noticed about it is. There's just so many threads to follow, but I yeah. think I think that's sort of the point, because anytime we had a lantern stories in the past and we follow the threads, there's usually only one big thread looping out and everything. In this way, you know, uh, the, the stuff that happened from issue one with the spider pirates, there's a thread from that that ties into this this commander uh, uh, Mew thing. There's a thread from this stuff that happens to Rotlop Fan and Evil Star that ties in here. There's a thread from this theft of the planets thing that is tying in over here. Uh, you know, there, there's all of these various threads that do have to do with the bigger picture. There's just so many threads, it's easy to get confused and be like, wait, what does this have to do with anything? But I think that that makes realistically a problem that would get a intergalactic police force involved has to be more complicated. So I like that it is complicated, even though part of my brain is fighting it going, <laughs> no, 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 you shouldn't have to read it multiple times to get it. <laughs> and to me, actually, why well, I, I thought that was part of my, my issue with the first issue, but um, bum I actually didn't think this – I thought this issue was a little more straightforward as a read. Hmm. I do agree with you 
that going back to the first issue, which is why I asked some questions about trying to re remember myself, uh, that there are uh, there are things that's kind of hard to keep track of going forward. You know, from once it's established, going forward from this issue, and, but just the stuff in this issue alone, the story that's being the tidbits that are being given to us, I did think this issue was easier, a little easier to read for me. Uh, considering, it's, again, like I said, I considering I just I only read it once and I didn't read it until you know like seven o'clock tonight, so like two hours, right. like three hours before we started to record. So those are those are largely my thoughts on it. Just uh, uh, without doing more research, and that's one of the reasons sometimes, guys, when we uh, we we don't do these real time uh, sort of reviews, uh, doing this recap and stuff when the day of the issue coming out because it gives us time to sort of research things if we want to. Um, so it's it's sort of a give and take. You you get the real time. You get a lot of uh, gut reactions from us when we do it like this, but you also sort of lose out on some of the research like trying to figure out what evil stars, you know, past atrocities would have been. So, Because I know right. they were there. Yeah. We've seen evil stars sporadically relatively recently, but we haven't had a full evil star arc. So it's, it's, it's been a while since we've had a very, a full evil star arc in, in that we would be able to remember what this, what happened. He has shown up, but it's only been a, for a few panels here. They didn't, have him destroy two point whatever billion people uh, in in only a couple of panels and a uh, throwaway reference to Evil Star, you know, twenty issues ago or whatever. So it's hard to remember how long ago that happened. Yeah, Evil Star has kind of like started and stopped a few times. It seems like people have had plans for Evil <coughs> Evil Star and and over time, based on different directions, change of writers, it just has never gone anywhere. Wasn't wasn't the last time we really saw Evil Star like consistently and even consistent like was in a story arc was like at the beginning of the Jeff Johns run when uh, the Starlings and stuff kidnapped Black Hand? No, that was that was a, that was the most re relevant appearance. He he was part of the group that was freed. I think That's right. During the Durland thing, the team that were teaming up with the Green Lantern Corps. But he didn't have a big role in that. He was just there. No, no. Like uh, so, the last time he had a big role was the beginning of Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern. Yes, we've only seen him show up in like yeah. briefly. But yes, that was so. Yeah, and even so, then, we're talking over ten years ago that Evil Star was relevant, y'all. And he, and even then, it never really seemed to you know never really seemed to go much. Right. It, that was one of those misdirection things where you figured Evil Star was going to be Evil Star was going to be more of an issue, more of a a real relevant factor when actually in that arc it was Black Hand, which was always going to be more relevant. So, right. All right. Well, uh, you, you did a lot of recapping and, and you talked a bit about it while you were recapping. Any thoughts you have about it? I liked it. I thought I I thought it was good. So so far. And again, I have made it clear I was I was not sold on the premise of this book from the get-go. So maybe my maybe the you know maybe the bar was lowered on my end possibly. You know, it seems like most people are happy with this so far, this book so, up to this point. I am happy. This book has exceeded my expectations so far. Uh, let's see how we feel in, once we get to issue five or six. That's another. 
that's another thing. But for now, I know I am I am pleasantly surpri- surprised. I think overall, I definitely could see if you want it to be glass half empty. I could see how it could go off the rails real easy, depending on again, like you said, if they make it, if he keeps making it overly complicated. And every single arc or every single issue, you have to remember three or four different plot threads that are either that were mentioned in one, either last issue or two issues ago. And again, it all depends how this police procedure. Now, obviously, they're kind of taking the police procedural definition, which is good that they're taking it and kind of making it. It's much more, it's much bigger than you would think just by that description. But right. When you're talking about missing planets, that's not like oh, you know. Somebody stole my cat. <laughs> so the the mere fact that there's a the, the mere fact that they have a term in in the lexicon of of the Green Lantern Corps for Grand Theft Planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one thing that, there's one thing to talk about here. So clearly the uh, what are these beings called again? The Dorans. Uh, or... I think so. Yeah, the Dorans. Yeah, the Dorians. Dorians. Uh, they're clearly the ones who are stealing these planets, but he specifically says full power to gravity refractors and dwarf star lens arrays commence planetary ad- abduction process. Uh, you remember? You uh, you obviously remember what dwarf star is? I, I do, but I'm I'm drawing a blank. To, to okay, so for the, for those of you who know but don't remember or don't know, dwarf star is what powers the atom suit. Oh, that makes sense then, doesn't it? So Dwarf Star is what Adam uses to shrink. So if uh, if they're using Dwarf Star, uh, clearly the, the planet uh, is being shrunk somehow uh, and taken, uh, which puts me in mind of Brainiac, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, now, it could be just shrunk and then resized immediately elsewhere. Maybe shrinking it makes it easier to teleport somewhere where that's then immediately restored to regular size. I don't know. Um, or maybe it's just, he says it's not there. <laughs> maybe it is there. It's just super tiny. I don't know, but they do say planetary abduction. So I'm assuming it's both shrunk and gone. Um, but yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I don't know how big of a role it will play, but Dwarf Star is what the Atom uses, and that involves the shrinking, so. Good catch. Uh, another thing I wanted to, to mention I liked um, is in, in the vein of not understanding a ton of stuff and having to reread it a couple of times, a lot of Hal's like, um, references and lingo and the stuff he says to like the spider pirate in particular and all the, the, the references to various aliens and systems and stuff, he just spouts that off. And, and it took me a minute and he was just like, you know what? Realistically he should. Hal's been a lantern for a long time. He should just know this stuff. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I don't think Hal should know everything all the time, but he's been a lantern a long time and seen a lot of stuff. So it would realistically make sense for him to just, as a human, just be, but in the Lantern Corps, just rattle off some of these just facts and stuff that he just so happens to know. Yeah, I agree. So that's that kind of cool. Yeah, that was, a, that, was, that was a nice touch. All right, anything else about this we want to say before uh, we move on? No, I thought, nope, I don't think so. I think it was so... Uh, 
so far so good with this series. For sure. Uh, yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a bit about some trailers. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Got to give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about Cheers, yeah. That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. Attention, attention all personnel. New from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, it's MASHCAST. Hosted by MASH megafan Rob Kelly and a rotating cast of VIPs, MASHCAST analyzes, episode by episode, the greatest television series of all time, MASH. Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Jocularity! Jocularity! All right, guys, we're back from break. We're going to do some trailer talk, unfortunately, the as we record this, because you never know. Uh, the Avengers 4 trailer has not yet dropped. So it's Friday. It's supposed uh, to be Friday. <laughs> See, this is, this is the thing. Like... You can say Friday, but didn't you just say it was confirmed like yeah. the other day that it was going to yeah, be what? Wednesday? Like, I mean, this has been happening for a, a week or two now. Yes. That's, it, it's like to the point where like I I was already going to watch the football game on Thanksgiving. Uh, the, I think it was specifically the Lions game. But I specifically made time to come inside and check the TV as much as I could because I had heard that that's when they were going to drop. The Avengers 4 trailer, and then they're saying, no, it's going to happen tomorrow instead on Black Friday, and then no, it's going to happen blah, here and here and here. Like, it's been like this for, like, two weeks now. <laughs> it's, well, it's been like, yeah, it's been like this at least for two weeks. Now, the asterisk on this is, supposedly, the only reason it was, it was confirmed for Wednesday, it was originally confirmed for today in, on Good Morning America, but... Because of the natural, the National Day of Mourning for George H. W. Bush, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. That that they decided they were going to push that back because they didn't think a it would be appropriate or it was just you know it was going to be it was not going to get probably the, it was it was going to take away from that and it was going to over and maybe overshadow their own thing and they didn't so either way they so I believe it is I believe it is now confirmed. That it's it's not used confirmed. Let's just say that it everything points to everything indicates it's going to be Friday, going to be Friday morning. Now we should know tomorrow. We should know by Thursday because again, if it's absolutely coming out Friday morning, and they're going to push it on Good Morning America, we're going to have to know tomorrow night, tomorrow right. during the day probably. Because the whole point of putting it on Good Morning America first is to make people want to go watch Good Morning America <laughs> as opposed mm-hmm. to waiting ten minutes later when it's going to be on the internet. <laughs> 
So that's the only incentive to doing it. So, but yes, it is it is disappointing, man. We get and we can talk more about that a little bit when we when we do the Captain Marvel. Thing. That's right. So we are going to do the Captain Marvel trailer, but first we are going to do the trailer. It's been out for a little while now, this trailer, but we are going to do the trailer for the Reign of the Superman uh, direct-to-DVD animated movie. Uh, Mark, have you seen the death of Superman that no, uh, preceded I this? I did not. The animation style really kind of turned me off, continuing okay. the theme of the episode. Uh, um, so that, that made me not really... I will watch it, obviously, when it comes on Prime or, or comes on Netflix, I will watch it, but it did mm-hmm. not, it certainly did not encourage me to want to run out and and uh, buy it or... Gotcha. Well, yeah. well, for those of you who are not aware, uh, D, uh, DC Animation, Warner Animation has done this only one other time, and it was with the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, so everything DC has done up until this point, animated-wise, other with the exception of The Dark Knight Returns, has been kind of a single story. Um, the Dark Knight Returns was split into two parts. The first part being uh, the part of The Dark Knight Returns story where he's going up against the mutants uh, and the mutant leaders and so on and so forth, and the second part, of course, dealing with all the stuff with Joker. Um, so that was The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and then The Dark Knight Returns Part 2. They're doing a similar thing here, uh, but in this case, uh, they're not splitting one story into two. They're taking two stories and just kind of taking the threads and following through to the natural conclusion. They started with the death of Superman, and now comes the reign of the Superman. Uh, So with that in mind, we're going to start this trailer. It is, uh, for those of you playing along at home, if you want to watch the exact trailer, it's over on YouTube on the DC uh, channel. Just DC, not DC Comics, just the DC channel. It is the Reign of the Superman official trailer, uh, 1 minute 50 seconds. And I will hit go. Who are these new guys? Why are they here? What is their place? In a world without a Superman. The Man of Steel is dead. We saw the body. It's time for human beings to stop relying on leagues and titans and start saving ourselves. I can give each of you the power to be your own hero. Clark's body disappears, and suddenly these new supermen show up out of the blue. Who the hell are you? I'm Superman. There is only one Superman. You look like Superman, but Superman died in my arms. For my people, death doesn't have to be the end. Terrible things are coming, Lois. I can feel it. We gotta be our own heroes. We sure as hell can make some noise. When the Daily Planet said Superman is dead, it painted a target on the Earth. How do we even begin to fight that? What do you think? Who 
will reign supreme. It won't be Cyborg Superman. <laughs> uh, I agree with you about the uh, the animation style. This is, the, however, it's it's it wasn't. I mean, it's obviously a choice, but it it wasn't a choice specifically made for this story. This is just the animation style DC's been going with lately, ever since essentially uh, Justice League War, which adapted the um, Justice League storyline from the New Fifty Two, that first arc that Jeff Johns did, uh, where they fought Doomsday or not Doomsday. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Darkseid. Yes. So this is this is that animation style just that's been happening ever since. Uh, so it's just in keeping with that. So it's not like it's new for this. It's just, it, it, unfortunately, I, I agree with you in, in a lot of ways. I don't like it, but it's just sort of something we're going to have to accept as fact at this point, I think. Um, but beyond that, what do you think of it? I see It's kind of hard to move entirely beyond that. I mean, I think Steel, Steel looks fine. Superboy kind of, sort of, sometimes looks fine. Don't like the Eradicator. I don't like the. Uh, I don't think the Last Son of Krypton, you know, is entirely captures his essence. Uh, but again, going with that style, you have to accept. But but as a nitpick, it bothered me. They have the wrong hand for Cyborg Superman being mechanical. It's his right arm that should be the gun. That should be mechanical. Uh, um. I obviously, as we you and I have talked about, they changed the. Uh, they changed the threat, even though it could very well be allied with Cyborg Superman, which is what you would bet on. And so instead of having Mongol destroy Coast City, they're going to have this alien invasion, or <coughs> which is probably allied with with Henshaw. But I, I don't know. Ca- I wonder if Cadmus is involved in that too. It could be. I don't know if I yeah. really like the idea of the, you know the Justice League is obviously involved in this when the Justice League really wasn't involved in Reign of the Superman at all. Right. I. I don't. I think right, this movie is probably trying to throw in some threads from Funeral for a Friend. Oh yeah, uh, it would make sense, but right. Um, so the, the, the Mark kind of alluded to it. This, it's the reason we brought this up. The threat of Reign of the Superman, the the big thing that happens in Reign of the Superman is Cyborg Superman's teaming up with Mongol and the goals that they have and the eventual destruction of Coast City, which, of course, as we all know, kicks off Emerald Twilight and so on and so forth. That would have been fantastic to see. And it would have given DC and Warner Animation this incredible opportunity to adapt one of the most popular most controversial, most uh, character-defining moments in one of their main characters' history with Emerald Twilight. But they clearly, very consciously said, no, we're not going to destroy Coast City, and instead made up this entirely new thing with, if you guys watch the trailer, whatever these uh, black and red-suited it looks like they have shields on their chest in some way, so maybe they're Kryptonians, maybe they're just clones, which is, they all look relatively the same, which is why I'm thinking maybe it's Cadmus um, involved here somehow, but I don't, again, I don't know. They clearly just made up this new threat instead of going with the destruction of Coast City. That's a choice that they made, intentionally. 
if they are coming out supposedly again we don't have a release date all as far as we know jeff johns is working on a script that's what we know if they're going to come out with a green lantern core film we've been saying over and over and over again yeah sure the 2020 date's probably not going to hold true but we know how long this animation stuff actually takes uh, for them to actually get out and get on the ground and announce and get going and get some traction behind sell copies, blah, blah, blah. Takes several years. The fact that they made this choice means that they have no focus on Green Lantern right now. I mean, it, quite honestly, that, that's, that's what it has to be. If you're not going to take the opportunity to not only set up but take advantage of one of the most popular stories Green Lantern has ever had. That, quite honestly, I mean, if, 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 if Jeff Johns is your savior in all of this, is the basis for what Jeff Johns ends up doing with his entire run on the character, and you still decide not to take it, you obviously do not care about Green Lantern right now. Am I wrong? You could be wrong, but I can't. I can't make a strong case that that you are. I mean, Hal is obviously in the movie, but but, but the odds are he's not going to get much screen time. We may have seen all the screen time. <laughs> right. Uh, it it does seem it does seem very very odd unless unless they purposely unless they purposely did not want to open uh, the, open the that, door in yeah. a way that they felt like. You open this door, people are going to demand. Oh, you, you have, you're going to have to do Emerald Twilight next, right? So maybe they don't. They didn't want to be kind of like boxed in. Uh, never put baby in the corner. They don't want to. They don't want to box. They don't want to box themselves in. Where if we go with doing the classic version of the story, then people are going to have the expectation that oh, they did. You know, this was set up. Kind of like it was set up on purpose to to for them to do Emerald Twilight as you know down the road, or they almost felt like almost had to do Emerald Twilight as a, as, as a follow-up. I don't know. I think it's stupid if that's the reason why they were why they were scared away. So I, I'm just looking at it. I, it's hard to... It's, But let's be honest. I mean, they butch, I mean, they, you keep butchering these classic stories, whether it's doing the, anim, the animated version, which would be easier to do the real version of, you know, a more true version of. We know what they did in BVS when they just completely screwed up the Death of Superman story. And in the process... Thanks to Justice League, screwed up the, rain, the possibility of doing Reign of the Superman in this timeline too, or in this universe. Uh, so I, I, I have no idea what the hell they're doing. I, but between the art style and then seeing these other little tidbits that they've added into these stories during, the, I was really pumped. I think we both were pumped when they first announced they were doing these as a two-parter mm-hmm. uh, instead of trying to jam it all into one. Doing they were going to do two. It's like okay, they might be able to do a little bit of bit of justice to this, especially Reign of the Superman. You know, you have like an hour, 20 minutes to do Reign of the Superman animated. You don't need to, you don't need to do a lot of the peripheral stuff that we got in the monthly issues for each book, building up each character. You just need to do some of that, establish them, have them kind of all make their, if you will, make their stake their claim to the throne on some basic level of why, if they're not Superman, why they should be Superman. And then, and then have the turn of, of Cyborg Superman and then and it wouldn't even be so bad if they modified it a little bit where, you know, everybody came together to beat him at Coast City, which, re- you know, which kind of sort of really 
didn't happen entirely, you know? No. Steel was Superboy there. showed up. Superboy was there. Steel Steel was there too. Steel was there, but as far as the act, you know, the actual showdown, it pretty much was Superman and the Era- I mean, to be fair, the Eradicator did show up and he was the way Superman got his powers back. Uh, but which is always overlooked. One of the things that always bothers me about Superman and the Eradicator's relationship is like, he does all... Yes, the Eradicator was using him as a living battery. Yes, I can understand. That was, that, that wasn't a fun thing. But number one, he did keep him alive. And he did give him back his full powers at the end. <laughs> so, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It's, 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 it's disappointing. It is disappointing. It's funny how you say they butchered the story when the entire point of doing this was to do it as right as they could again, because the very first movie that kicked off the direct-to-DVD DC yep. animated universe was the death of Superman, done in that sort of Bruce Tim style. Yeah, but uh, they really did a a really podgepodge version of all an of extreme both. hatchet job. Yep, to yeah. fit it all into one movie. Yes. So to be fair, this is way more faithful than what we've had in the past in the DC animated yes. universe on this stuff. So we, I, I don't want to completely say that this is a hatchet job of this original story. They're, they're doing a, a much better job with the source material in this, uh, than they, they have in the past. <clears throat> that being said, there are aspects of it that just don't make sense to me. Some make sense within the context of the universe they've already built for this animated universe. But I, I, I cannot see it as anything other than a slap in the face uh, to, to not take the opportunity to do Emerald Twilight. I'm not saying that it would have to be the next thing they did, but my God, please set it up. Because it's very clear. I mean, the last freaking Green Lantern animated feature we got was, was, was um, Emerald Warriors. Right? That's what it was? Emerald Warriors? Knights, wasn't it? Emerald Knights, yes. That was several years ago. It's been a long time since anyone's even discussed doing a direct-to-DVD Green Lantern-themed animated film. So that means when Green Lantern does show up, it's as a side character here and there in a Justice League story or something like that. It'd be very easy... To show how, in those stories, struggling with the, the destruction of Coast City. You don't have to focus on him and make him the center of your next Justice League animated film. You can just show him struggling with the death of Coast City. Then, when you're ready, boom, Emerald Twilight. I just, it just doesn't make any sense. Now, it's entirely possible that the destruction of Coast City is in this film. And we just aren't being shown it because they want to sh- they want to reveal that. But given the history of DC animation, uh, directed DVD animations and their trailers, they never leave things as really a surprise. It's not like other films, like major motion pictures, where they'll like withhold the surprise for the actual movie-going audience. That's not the way they usually cut these trailers. There's not a whole lot of surprise by the time you end up watching one of these films. But I'm still going to allow for the possibility that maybe, but the, given the given the fact that these black and red suited clone looking things come out and attack the Justice League and, and then Superboy and and Steel and the Eradicator show up to help fight them and and all this stuff that that to me seems like the climax of the battling and stuff. 
which can only be a replacement for the drama of the destruction of Coast City. So, all right. Uh, anything else to say about this before we go into Captain Marvel? No. Might all say, right. Let's let's get to the, uh, the 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 meat of the trailer talk this this week. All right, from the Marvel Entertainment YouTube page, published on December 3rd, Captain, uh, Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel trailer 2, 2 minutes, 18 seconds, starting at the zero mark. All right, hold on, I'm on three seconds. Oops, sorry, hold on. Now I'm on that. one second. That's good enough. All right, cool. And here we go. So, scrolls are the bad guys. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. I keep having these memories. Something in my past is the key to all of this. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. saying that to be sarcastic or to be dumping on the trailer I'm saying that that is literally the only part of the, the end with Nick Fury is the only part of the trailer that really not only made me laugh but I, I really I really enjoyed not just because it's a cat though it helps but because it's it it's nice to see a warmer fuzzier side of Nick Fury especially especially because we're dealing with a younger a younger less jaded version of the character to begin with <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed the trailer. Uh, I know a lot of people give the the Captain Marvel uh, initial trailer we got a lot of shit because she's not smiling. I think Marvel tried to combat that a bit by the first time she says something, she gives Nick Nick that smile in the car. That's maybe their way of pointing to that and be like, yeah, she smiles, shut up, uh, <laughs> sort of a thing. Um, 
the action looks pretty great uh, from my perspective. Again, I, I, in terms of background and the stuff I pay attention to, you guys know I'm not as big into the film side of things as Mark is. But from my perspective, the art looks, I mean, the, the, the cinematography and the battle scenes and the colors and, and the explosions and all that kind of stuff looks really cool. Action sequences look great. To me, it almost looks like a, um, a good merging of Guardians meets a more grounded Earth storyline, kind of the way, um, the first, uh, Thor movie and maybe Dark World to a certain extent tried to mix the earth aesthetics with the cosmic cosmic uh, aesthetics and, you know, sort of did it sort of failed. Um, this is like, you know, Hey, we found the right formula for doing Marvel cosmic in terms of the, the look, the visual feel of it with guardians. Let's do that again for captain Marvel, but we need to tell a much more earth grounded story here. So sort of mixing those two, uh, those two aesthetics, uh, it looks, it looks cool to me at the very least. I'm actually excited to hopefully see and learn more about Ronan, uh, in this. Um, so that'd be cool to see. Uh, and you know, a part of me hopes this, uh, a big part of me hopes this does extremely well, not just because, uh, I like Brie uh, and not just because I like the Marvel cinematic universe, not just because I'm excited for another film in the franchise, uh, or even a female-led film. I'm ex- I am excited for that, for the female hero to get her uh, get her uh, spotlight in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I'm also kind of hoping it does extremely well. So it's one of the things that DC can use as a launching pad for Green Lantern and just be like, look, they, we can do this. It is possible. <laughs> look, it's a good template to follow. Let's do that. <laughs> Because when she was flying through space towards the end of that trailer and, you know, using her energy blasts and, you know, zipping through the sky and she was lighting up. I mean, I was just like part of it was hard for me not to superimpose my my desire for Green Lantern on that and see how that would look on the screen. Well, some people compare that to Green Lantern as far as. Right. But not in a positive way. <laughs> uh, even though we know Green Lantern gets shit on more than it deserves. Uh to me, I like this. I like this trailer more than the first, which is kind of funny because I've heard a few people say they liked you like the first trailer more. Uh, this trailer, I think, fleshes out a little bit more stuff about her background. So I think, obviously, we don't know if it's gonna, it's only a trailer, so we don't know what's going to stick, what's not going to stick. But it certainly implies that, kind of like again, another theme of the episode being the sum of some greater than the. The whole being the sum of greater than some of your parts. That part of why she's the way she is is basically because she's she was human. They found her. They basically made her a Cree. She's not really a Cree, and somehow by being a, a merger or of both of that, somehow that kind of has made her what she is, uh, at least partially. As uh, which is also explains why she doesn't have her memories at first, and eventually they come back unless they unless they brain you know unless they kind of mind wiped her, which is a possibility. That we find out that you know they play literally head games with her, and and she starts working through the blocks, the blockage. I I think the issue. So I do think it's a better trailer. I don't think it overcomes the burden that it needed it needs to, which is to make this movie either look like it's going to stand on its own, or to make Captain Marvel look like the most interesting part of it. Because it's I, to me, it's not. To me. You talk about Ronan, yes, even though you barely see Ronan. Ronan is, 
Ronan and, and his partner in crime there are part of the interesting things about this movie. Uh, Jude Law, his character, finding that's going to be that's interesting. Uh, who exactly is despite you know many many rumors who Annette Benning is playing? Nick Fury, the young Nick Fury, uh, the young Coulson. Well, uh, well, Jude Law is playing Marvel, right? No, that's been that's been def- that's pretty much been shot down because of a toy leak that he's supposed to be not playing Marvel now. I forget the hmm. char- I forget the character's name off the top of my head that they think he's based on the toy that he's supposed to be playing. But no, he's 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 not playing Marvel. We all th- assumed he was, but now he's not supposed to be. Uh, that all that the cat, all these different things make the movie is. The least interesting part of the movie right now seems to be Brie Larson, but because of the way she comes across. But that could be – there may very well be a reason for that, and maybe we'll get, we are being kind of given – it's like a misdirection, that the first two trailers are setting you up for something. When we see the third trailer, then it's going to be like, oh, okay. Or maybe even the Avengers trailer. Maybe the Avengers trailer, we're going to see a different – we're going to see a much more – let's say animated, more personable version of Captain Marvel, so then that might alleviate some of the, the doubts people have. She's probably just stunted because her personality was wiped out because, you know, she's kind of like robotic because of the essence of who she is. It kind of been either repressed or was had or being purposely blocked. That's probably it. But she does but there's no doubt she comes across as very Wooden is a term most people use. Not she's just not very inflective. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I don't think she, so. I think this has not cleared the hurdle. Doesn't mean it's gonna. Doesn't mean I think it's gonna flop. But this movie ideally should be standing on its own. And they're really count. To be fair, at this point, they're counting on the fact that we know she's going to be a factor in Avengers Four to really drive up the interest in this, and we're and the fact that they're already telling us, oh, she's the most powerful character in the more in the Marvel universe. Those are the things really driving the interest in this movie. The fact that we know this movie takes place in the past, on the surface, cuts down on the 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 relevance of it. Again, on the surface, tying into Avengers Four. We know there's going to be things in event in this movie that probably relate, that are hinted at related to Thanos and things like that. We probably know the we can pretty much take it to the bank. The after credit scene is going to relate probably at least one of the after credit scenes will relate to the ending of Avengers three. Probably her getting the Nick Fury's message, something like that. But either way, this move. But since we know this movie takes place in the past, we know the actual main story is not going to have a tie-in to Avengers four. So, it's 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 interesting. I don't think this movie has has really gotten traction yet, and I. So I don't know. I don't. I have. This is the movie I've been least interested in in seeing from Marvel for a while. Uh, probably. <clears throat> I'd say probably since the original Guardians, which did nothing for me as a concept. But at least the guard. But even though I still had, it still did not. I was not looking forward to seeing Guardians tremendously after the trailers, but no one could deny the trailers made the movie look good and interesting. I don't right. know if you can really say that about the first two Captain Marvel trailers that it makes it look all that interesting or all that great. There's a lot of there's some cool scenes in it, but and that's so that's uh that's where I stand with it. I think when I and I, 
I think it was. I think it's a mistake. I thought this at the time. They should have released Avengers trailer first, because obviously, as soon as the Avengers trailer drops, that's all people are going to care about. Yeah. This ta- and now, mind you, I'm sure she's going to be in it, and maybe that's and and depending on how much of a role she is in that trailer, this could have been part of their strategy to do a to do a to do a bang bang, to have Captain Marvel on the brain, then drop the Avengers trailer, and then reinforce that and 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 show a different part of her or how relevant she is and hope that pumps up even more interest, do a one-two punch. That could be what they're thinking. But they have a whole lot of crap coming out in a short period of time. Spider-Man's still supposed to come out either Saturday or, or maybe that'll be pushed back to Monday because everything's been pushed back. But there's a lot of trailers that are coming out. Not that Spider-Man's going to overshadow the Avengers, but Captain Marvel clearly will be overshadowed once the Infinity War... Well, Whatever Avengers 4, and we're supposed to find out the title too, whatever Avengers 4 is titled, it's going to be overshadowed at least at least a sizable amount once that trailer comes out. So, Do you think, are you of the opinion, are you confident, are you uh, standing by the, the opinion that there's actually going to be a full, you know, really good trailer? For Avengers Four, or are you like me and thinking thirty seconds? They, thirty <laughs> seconds. They don't need to do much of really anything. They don't need to show us anything, uh, really, for the most part, just because of the way Infinity War ended. Everyone's going to go see this movie anyway, so they're going to try and keep as much as they possibly can away from us and not give it the 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 trailer attention every other Mar- Marvel movie gets. I'm not 100% convinced we're going to be getting like a two-minute trailer for this movie. Uh, if it's anything, if it's anything less than a minute, I think it. And this is my only issue. Now, this is my only issue with the way Marvel has operated so far regarding this movie. I understand. Again, this is a movie that doesn't really doesn't really need a trailer in the big picture because people are going to go see it regardless. People know it's coming next year. People are going to go see it. I understand that. So I don't. So I'm not. I certainly don't understand. Oh, if we don't get a trailer this week, we riot. That you know, let's protest like everybody else these days. We don't like something. Let's go protest every about everything. I don't agree that for the people that are just saying, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna like boycott and all, all, all idiot people who push it to that idiotic extreme because we haven't gotten anything yet. That being said, I'm a little frustrated just because I don't like having my chain yanked, at least in this context. That I don't like the fact. <laughs> I had to put that disclaimer in there. That I don't. I don't like the fact that they do seem to be playing a little game here. In like, uh, not just with yes, there have been so many rumors over the past month about when this trailer was going to come out, and then they, they then they at least gave us a tidbit guaranteeing that we'd get some, we'd, we'd, we would get a trailer before the end of the year this year. <laughs> that the, I just think. You know, just holding back the title, all, all. I just think after a while it becomes like the, you know, the lady doth protest too much. It's like, come on. I mean, it's like the movie comes out in five months. Yes, you don't need to show us that much, but you also don't need to keep us, you know, you know, kind of like pissing into the wind either. And it just seems like, I think sometimes, it's, sometimes you get too smart for your own good. And I think that's the only part that's frustrated me a little about this. So. If they do give us a friggin' 30, 45 second like teaser trailer in which 
half of it is footage from Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be happy with that. No one's going to be happy with it. And I don't really But are you going to be surprised? I think I I think I would be a little surprised just based on the fact that when we first saw stuff for Infinity War, it, not counting even putting the asterisk on it that some of that footage we know had come out at con, like uh, Comic-Con or whatever and but they or but they just hadn't, you know, show they didn't show it, release it officially until they put it in a trailer. But when we first got an official trailer for Infinity War, at least it was actually a real trailer and there was stuff in it. I would be – so I think considering I – w- I would say I would be at least – I'll just rank this. I would probably be at least six, 65 70% in favor of, of thinking we're going to get a real trailer. So, there, so I would not be completely blindsided if it's essentially very little – snippets of new footage with tons of crap we already saw but I don't think th- I don't think they're going to do that and I don't think it would help their cause at this point because simply put it's like if you waited this long and you're going to again it, it come back to what I said a few minutes ago that would be like yanking your chain it's like oh we're showing you something but we're not really not showing you something and we, we kept our word we showed you some we show, we had a trailer out before the end of December ha <laughs> Yeah, I don't. It's not going to cause a massive pushback against them, but I. But it. But it doesn't help their cause, and it's like I don't. I don't see the benefit of it. It's like if you're going to do that, you'd you'd be better off not saying you're going to release a trailer by the end of the year and just waiting until you're ready and just release something, that a, a real trailer. So I think yeah. it's. I think I'm leaning towards it being you know a a real a real trailer. But and I and I hope and I hope so. I don't think it because again, <laughs> Avengers four is going to be the topic no matter what happens when that trailer comes out. But but you're also completely cut. If you do that, you really cut Captain Marvel off at the knees because now you're going to have everybody everybody moaning and bitching about the Avengers trailer that really wasn't a trailer. <laughs> so people are going to mm-hmm. com- completely stop talking about Captain Marvel and then rank up their bitching about Infinity War. Even people that maybe weren't bitching about it before Avengers four. I mean. Uh, Infinity War 2, that the people will be bitching about that. It's like, come on. So, I'm yeah. whole, I don't think they'll do that. But, you know, it, 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 it's time. You know, it really, it really is time that they, that they, you know, they do this. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, before we wrap up, uh, I, I got a real quick question. This is, I honestly don't expect to get, like, even full five minutes out of this. Just honestly curious. We're right in the middle of the insane media blitz for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Has your opinion changed at all about it? Are you going to go see it? Are you more interested in I it? Am, I am going to see it. Um, I'm not going to see it. I think the, I think the way my movie going is um, over the next couple of weeks, it's like every other week. So this week, my luck of the draw, which is good for me because I wanted to see it anyway. I get to, I'm going to see Creed again, Creed again tomorrow. And then probably the next thing I will see will be two uh, not next not next Thursday but the one probably the week after that the Thursday before Christmas probably that will be the week I see um, I see Spider Verse uh, Aquaman probably in all honesty is going to be pushed back until maybe January uh, oh. could be still could be the end of but again that's I, that's a movie I still have absolutely no interest in seeing as in Aquaman 
Uh, yeah, so, so Spider-Verse, the, the Blitz is going hard. It's everywhere. Uh, lots of merch out there. Uh, the, I'm seeing a lot of a lot of trailers, a lot of ads on social media. I'm seeing a, a ton of stuff. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, I've been maintaining my excitement for it for quite a while. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna do bigger than people expect. I think it's gonna be better than people expect. Um, I'm excited to see it. But uh, just I mean, it's freaking December. There's so much already going on just in our personal lives. Uh, it comes out what the fourteenth? It's a Friday. Uh, Friday? yeah, next next yeah next week I think it comes out. Okay, yeah. yeah so like the fifteenth, I, I, I got so it'll be the fourteenth. Technically, it would be the fourteenth, yeah. right? Because all the sun, all the Fridays this month are are sevens. Right. So the uh, the uh, anyways, we'll say I've, I've got a family member coming into town starting on the eleventh, <coughs> which is a Tuesday and. That lasts into the following Tuesday, so the 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 weekend that into the Spider Verse comes out, we'll have so many plans around it. I've got plan that's a payday too. I've got so many things. I got, you know, that'll be the first paycheck I have that I can actually start Christmas shopping. I usually try to do it much sooner than now, but uh, I mean, it, I, I think I'll, I think I'll probably be seeing into the Spider Verse around the same time as you, the week after it comes out. But yeah, the, I I think the the foot I was oh I was lukewarm about it. I was never like sure I was not going to see it. But things like, but I, but my friend wants to see it. Obviously the 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 snippet they threw in at the end of Venom helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the reviews are good. Obviously as we speak, uh, it's still 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, mm-hmm. which is uh so it's 68 out of 68 fresh, and and the average rating, which is even probably more impressive, is the average rating so far is 9 out of 10. So it's not like people are just barely giving it a thumbs up. It means that people are really, really liking it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I I am I am interested in that. And it doesn't hurt what what Haley Steinfeld is Gwen. I like Haley Steinfeld. Um, that that's that's uh that that's a plus. If there was anything that would make me go see Bumblebee, which probably there won't be. But it's it's Haley. I, I and I and I think I've said this before. It's it's I like Haley Steinfeld. She's a good actress, but she also ha- has a really uncanny resemblance to my first girlfriend. So it, so mm. I, I kind of have a tie a draw to her for that reason. Face, you know, the hair color, face, everything is just yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's good. I think Into the Spider Verse is going to be good. So it'll be a good year for uh, Sony with Spider Man and heading into and. Oh, and and uh, Venom comes out on the 18th. Yep, and then I'm that. Yep. And another reason why you know the Far From Home trailer is, you know, they're primed to put that out probably because they def. Another reason that's probably gonna that's supposed to come out probably this weekend is because we know they're gonna attach that to into the Spider Verse. You gotta right. have the gotta have that trailer on. Uh, lots, yep, yeah, lots of lots of trailers are supposed to be dropping. So. Depending, I, I haven't seen an official yet, but depending on the design for it, I might, I might have to get the, the Venom Steelbook Blu-ray. I can understand that. Uh, I, 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 I tend not to get those. I do have a few. Actually, I think I, I don't know if I have any Steelbook Blu-rays. I have some Steel, Steelbook uh, DVDs. I only have three. I've got the Underworld Collection. Uh, uh, franchise, I've got that um, uh, on in a steel book. I've got Justice League on a steel book because that w- they they did a yeah the art a comic book right. yeah yeah the comic book Jim Lee stuff. 
And of course, I've got my Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 30th Anniversary Steelbook, uh, and they just released the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey Steelbook 30th Anniversary, which I gotta get at some point. There's so many things I need. I want to get so soon because I just got started this job not too long ago, uh, and now I can actually do that. But because Christmas is coming up, I have to like keep going. No, 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 no. All the Christmas presents stuff. <laughs> First, you're going to clearly get Christmas presents from others. You got a ton of this shit already on your Amazon wish list. So, so it's entirely possible someone could have already bought this stuff for you. Just stop. Take care of everything else. Everybody else. <laughs> Then take care of yourself come, like, maybe midway through January, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's the most wonderful time of year. <laughs> and on that note, how can people reach out to us? Lanterncast.com is the website. Lanterncast at gmail.com is the email. That's the best place to reach out and contact us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those. iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, so whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. And let us know what you think. Yes, especially considering uh, some of the stuff we talked about early on the first episode, or, or, or early on in this episode. So uh, definitely give your opinions on that stuff. Um, and at this rate, that's it. Cutting it off, next episode you hear will be the Christmas episode slash anniversary episode, so don't expect anything from us until then, uh, because we gotta do, we got to do that. And, and, and the way, I was going to say, and the, and the way things are going, you might, don't even expect that. <laughs> by, the time you get our, by the time you get our anniversary Christmas episode, maybe it will... Maybe maybe it will be episode 350. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we don't have much time left, so. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.